Welcome to episode 8 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Joe D'Aloisio here as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you who are new to the program, welcome. It's never too late. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Don't forget the double underscore, otherwise you won't find me. And of course, even if you do remember the double underscore, you may still have trouble finding me. Regardless, give it a try. Follow me on Twitter. Let's chat about the Packers. Let's chat about week five of the NFL season because we're here. Already five weeks into the NFL regular season. Slow it down. It is going by way too quick. And not to mention, you have playoff baseball. You have hockey. Basketball's right around the corner. College football. There is not a better time in the sports calendar, in my opinion. But really, it feels like I haven't spoken to you guys in in a while with the Packers playing last Thursday and Kind of threw off the whole podcast schedule with the Thursday game. You know, I came back, I gave you a recap, and then I said, you know what, let's wait until the following week to get this preview episode out. But we're now back to regular programming. And like I said, it's week five, and the Packers have another tough task this week. They head to Dallas. They head into Jerry's world. Only their second away game this year. The last time they played on the road, opening night against the Chicago Bears. Spoiler alert, later on in the podcast, I'll be joined by Roy White. You could hear him on Sean and RJ every single day, Monday through Friday from 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time on 105.3 The Fan out in Dallas. If you're a Cowboys fan and you don't listen to 105.3 The Fan out in Dallas, shame on you. But Roy will be joining me a little bit later and he'll break down the Cowboys' perspective for this game. Let us know what we need to know about Dallas as we head into this matchup. Zeke, Dak, injury report. The Packers' injury report full. Dallas just as full with a lot of key players who's expected to play, who may be out, who's going to give it a go. Will Zeke rush for 550 yards against the Packers? No, he won't, but there's a good possibility he has a tremendous afternoon. Plus, of course, at the end of the podcast, picks of the week. Last week was a big one for me. A nice 3-0. After going 0-3, I bounced back to with a 3-0 week. And now we're back to 500 again, 6 and 6 on the regular season. So if the if the trends continue, then don't listen to my picks this week cuz there's a good chance I only win one game or zero games if the trend continues. But let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope I continue to stay hot and uh win you some shkado as they say. So, the Packers obviously coming off a tough loss to the Eagles. And it doesn't get easier heading to Dallas. And there are a few things to look at, in my opinion, in this game. Before we get down to those key things to look at, though, you know I love, in my preview episode, to head over to Packers.com and check out the dope sheet. And I got some dope facts for you. So out of the last 15 regular season meetings between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers, 13 of them have been decided by 10-plus points. The two contests decided by single digits were a 35-31 win by the Packers in 2017, the last time Green Bay played at Dallas, and a 37-36 Green Bay victory 
at Dallas in 2013. So typically, these games between these two teams, not close. Blowouts. So you're looking at that spread. I've seen it anywhere between three and a half, four, four and a half. Those numbers, um, there's a good chance whoever side you're on, you're feeling a little comfortable after reading that, seeing that 13 have been decided by 10-plus points. It's also the seventh matchup between the two, including playoffs since 2013, with Green Bay holding a 5-1 record in those contests. Green Bay dominance as of late. Now, this, this wasn't from Dope Sheet. Kudos to them, Packers.com, Dope Sheet. They do a great job, dope information. But the Dallas Cowboys know that Aaron Rodgers is coming to town. And Aaron Rodgers is a very bad man. He is a bad man when he plays in Jerry's world. And the Cowboys, I don't know. It's like it's like they have some sort of PTSD when they played in the playoffs and Dez dropped the ball. They don't know how to react when Green Bay comes to town. Since 2013, the Cowboys are 15-4 and at AT&T Stadium when they score at least 31 points. They're 0-3 versus the Packers, 15-1 and versus everyone else in that scenario. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the big stadium. Aaron Rodgers loves going into that palace that Jerry Jones built and likes to put on a clinic. I'm not sure what it is, really. But it's going to be a tough one for Aaron Rodgers this week. On to the keys. What to watch for in this Week 5 matchup. Number one, Devontae Adams. I'm going to peel back the layers for those of you who don't know how the podcasting really works. I am recording this on Friday morning around 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The Packers have yet to release their latest injury report, so any information that I'm giving you is based on what I have previously seen over the last few days. But we all know Devontae Adams left that Eagles game with that turf toe injury, diagnosed turf toe injury. He missed he he missed out on those final the final drive, crucial, and he hasn't practiced all week. Will he play on Sunday? I have a very, very hard time believing that we will see Devontae Adams on the field on Sunday. Now, he may try to practice on Friday, give it a go on Sunday and see where we're at. I don't think that's likely. I don't think there's any chance that we see Devontae Adams on the field, and that is a huge problem for the Green Bay Packers. If he doesn't play... I think the offense will struggle. Again, you know what Aaron Rodgers is. You know you know his capabilities. You can never count your, your the team out with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. I understand that. But we've been struggling to find that number two receiver. Sometimes it's MVS coming up big. Sometimes it's Geronimo Allison. You could sprinkle in a little Jimmy Graham after last week's performance. But prior to that, he was doing absolutely nothing. So if Devontae Adams is out, who steps up? Who is going to be that new number one guy for this week? I don't have enough confidence in saying that MVS, Geronimo Allison, Jimmy Graham, Jake Kumaro, if he plays... I don't have enough confidence in saying any of those guys 
can step up to the plate. But all season, we've been looking to find who that number two guy is. Well, whoever that number two guy may be, that person needs to step up this week if Devontae Adams doesn't play. There's also a good chance. One thing that I noticed when when Devontae Adams was out of the lineup against the Eagles towards the end of that game, that final stretch, there was a lot of quick dump-off passes to Aaron Jones. Rodgers looked for Jimmy Graham a lot. So don't be surprised if we see a heavy dosage of Aaron Jones. Maybe Matt LaFleur really tries to push the run game here, get that going, open up the rest of the offense. But I think if the Packers want to be successful here, it's important to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly and fast. Up-tempo offense, keep the Dallas defense on their toes, quick releases, move the chains, five, seven yards a play, sprinkle in a deep ball here and there. I think that could get it done. But it's going to be very difficult on the offensive side of the ball without Devontae Adams. You're going to see a lot of frustration out of Aaron Rodgers, despite his dominance in Jerry's world. I really think he's going to there's going to be times where he he's struggling more than usual because he doesn't have all reliable. You know, heading into that Eagles game, he said he wanted to get Adams the ball much more. Geez, he broke his his own career high in wide receiving yards that game. So not having Adams will hurt. Again, not officially declared that he's out, but a very good chance that he does not play against the Dallas Cowboys. Switching over to the defensive side. Last week against the Eagles, there's two areas where the defense really struggled. They weren't able to get sacks, and they weren't able to force turnovers. They cannot afford to do that this week. They need to be able to get pressure on Dak Prescott, who kudos to Dak Prescott under Kellen Moore. He looks like a different quarterback. So whatever Kellen Moore is doing with Dak, kudos, because it's working. This defense needs to get pressure, needs to get after the quarterback, and they need to force turnovers. But more importantly, I think everyone, all eyes, will be on this run defense, the interior defensive line, because they have gotten torched. That is probably, actually, that is only the one weak spot in this Packers defense. Each week, They've been getting pounded on the ground. Dalvin Cook did it. Combination of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Last week, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders. This week, you're going on the road against a Dallas Cowboys team and Zeke Elliott. You know, the game plan is simple. Give Zeke the ball. Give Zeke the ball. I am hoping Mike Pettin is aggressive in his defensive scheme. And he stacks the box. Let Dallas attempt to run the ball with eight guys in the box. Let them force that. But more importantly, make Dak Prescott beat you. There's uber confidence in the secondary between Jari Alexander, Kevin King, who did an excellent job against Alshon Jeffrey last Thursday night, Darnell Savage, Adrian. There is uber confidence from this unit. Prove it. Prove it on Sunday. 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time, Fox Game of the Week, prove it. 
I think that is the key to winning this game, despite possibly not having your best, one of your best offensive, your second best, let's say, your second best offensive weapon. You know the Dallas Cowboys are going to try to run the ball. Stop it at all costs. Stack the box and make Dak throw the ball. Because if, if they don't stack the box, if they don't press at that line of scrimmage, Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a field day. He could easily run for 200 yards. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised one bit if Zeke has a field day if that Green Bay Packers defense is impressive. But the secondary is talking the talk. This is your game to prove it. Don't let Zeke beat you. Let Dak try to beat you. They got to get after the quarterback and they got to force turnovers. They can't afford to go zero and zero in back-to-back weeks. My prediction, honestly, I'm not feeling confident in this game at all. If if Green Bay plays without Devontae Adams, I say the Packers lose by a touchdown. At least 7 points, 28-20. Wouldn't be surprised. If Adams plays, the slight chance that he plays, I still have a hard time picking the Packers in this one. Much closer game, probably a field goal, less than a field goal, maybe 28-27. Uh, but I just think they're going to have a really hard time trying to stop Ezekiel Elliott. This is a big game. It's a tough road opponent who's also 3-1. and one. Both of these teams are coming off ugly losses. Cowboys coming off that loss against the Saints. Obviously, Packers against the Eagles. Both left a sour taste in both fan bases' mouths. This is a big one. But I just don't have that much confidence, especially with the injury with Adams. I am hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. We'll see in just a few days. All right, let's learn more about the opposition. Coming up next, Roy White from 105.3 The Fan out in Dallas. Go, Pat, go! To the hotline we go. We welcome in our guest for this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. You can hear him every morning on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. A member of the Sean and RJ Show, Roy White, joins me. Roy, how are you? Hey, Joe. I'm doing well. How are you, brother? I am doing well. Remember, give Roy a follow on Twitter, at rdub3. He is very entertaining. And actually, Roy, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy your um, your life hack in terms of peeling boil, boiled eggs. Thank you so much. Uh, it's it's a simple man's trick. I'm a simple man, but um, I thought if uh, the limited knowledge that I have, I'd love to share it with listeners. So if that helps you peel eggs a little bit easier at your home, I changed the world in some way today. Has this always been something that you've done, or did you recently discover this? Uh, actually, my mother showed it to me like 12 years ago, and I was stunned. I had never seen her do it previously. Um, I don't know where she picked it up from, but either way, it changed my life because I'm a huge deviled eggs fan. Uh, I make egg salad all the time. And so, um, yeah, it just uh, made things a lot more simple for me. So glad you liked it, man. Thanks so much. Uh, of course. Again, uh, you could you could follow Roy on Twitter at rdub3, and he's got life hacks um, to make your life easier there. But let's get to the action. We don't usually typically talk about eggs on the podcast. We talk about cheese or football. We have a big football game in Dallas this weekend between the Packers and the Cowboys. Both teams coming off a loss and enter the game 3-1. and one. Let's start off with what last week's 
loss against the Saints. Only 10 points from the Cowboys offense. Should Dallas be concerned about this lackluster offensive game they just had? I wouldn't necessarily say that just yet um, because there are a lot of pieces of evidence that suggest that last week was significantly different from the three weeks prior. Um, If you'll remember, the Cowboys lost a fumble in the red zone when Jason Witten had the ball popped free from him. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott converted on a fourth down but then fumbled the ball away on a possession that it looked like was going to give the Cowboys some points. So you take those two turnovers away and you probably end up with another, you know, six to ten points um, based on those two alone. So I don't think there's a ton of concern over the offensive production in this past weekend's game against the Saints. You know, that was a really good front, and that was something that that the Cowboys were were concerned about going in. Um, Their secondary played played really well. Uh, They stuck to the Cowboys receivers like glue, and and the Cowboys made just enough mistakes to kind of shoot themselves in the foot and prevent themselves from putting those big points on the board that they had put through the first three weeks of the season. So, no, I don't think it's a concern yet. However, if they deliver the same type of performance against Green Bay on Sunday, then I think people will start to sound the alarms a little bit in DFW. One guy you just mentioned, Jason Witten, obviously a veteran to this offensive group, but he retires, he comes back. What was that reaction when he comes back and when he came back and obviously ends up in Dallas again? Yeah, it was uh, it was one of excitement. Um, I think it was one of relief, uh, both from the fans and, and having that safety blanket for, for Dak Prescott, but also from the standpoint of how we all saw him on Monday Night Football. Honestly, it was it was it, it felt like a struggle and a lot of Cowboys felt that as well. We have a lot of good broadcasters from the Cowboys ranks over the years. Tony Romo stepped into it and immediately flourished. You know, you go to Moose Johnson and Troy Aikman and all these guys that played with the Cowboys that represented so well on the analyst side. And Jason, for whatever reason, just wasn't the right fit in that role. So not only was there relief from the standpoint of we get a tight end who's as talented or more talented than any than any tight end currently on the roster, we get a tight end that comes in and immediately knows the offense, immediately has a relationship with the quarterback and the players around him that can step into that role without having missed a beat. It was a win-win for everybody involved, and I think Jason's really happy he made the decision too. As you know, as I know, in order to win in the modern-day NFL, you need that quarterback. And Dak Prescott has really, in my opinion, been playing so much better this season. What have you seen different from Dak, especially under Kellen Moore? Good question. Um, Because I think the national media is not necessarily picking up on some of the things that has changed about Dak Prescott's game. And why would they? You know, you don't watch him on a regular basis. You're not watching him in practice necessarily. But from the things that we've seen over the years, um, he's tightened up his footwork a lot more. Uh, He used to take really long, exaggerated strides on some of his dropbacks. It was inconsistent with the distance that he would drop back in the pocket before he set his feet to pass. Sometimes he wouldn't set his feet in the proper way and and try to rely on arm strength to to push the ball down the field. And that's something he's just done a much better job of. You'll see him um, working on a couple of these footwork and 
and hip motions in, in pregame warm-ups. And these are just exercises to kind of remind him to keep his body compact, to keep that, uh, you know, that left arm when he's throwing and try to generate that power to keep that left arm tucked in and tucked in tight so that, you know, he can fully extend with his right arm and, and really sling that ball. So um, just from, from nothing else, uh, just the physical standpoint, that's not even speaking of the fact that, you know, fourth year in the league from a mental standpoint, this is about the time where a quarterback should have a hundred percent grasp of the offense that he's rolling with and now has the ability to, to make checks, to make calls. The first two years, quite honestly, Dak Prescott would not have made checks or calls at the line of scrimmage. That's something that he's doing with a little bit more regularity now. So all those things are proving to be big improvements in, in Dak Prescott's game. And I think it, I think people are starting to see that on the national level. I think. What what do you guys see in that regard? Well, you could you could certainly see that he feels way more comfortable back there. I think there was a sense of him being rushed early um, in, in the previous seasons, getting that ball out a little too early. And now, like you mentioned, you notice the footwork. I mean, you listen to Blake Martinez. Um, he was asked just a couple of days ago about Dak, and he had high praise for, for, for him. And I just think overall, you know what you have in Zeke, being able to complement Zeke with a good quarterback really sky's the limit to this offensive unit. No, I think you you said it perfectly. Um, you know what type of weapon you have in Ezekiel Elliott, and quite honestly, um, that weapon has not delivered uh, the type of way you would have expected with the money that they paid him to bring him back and, and get him back into the fold. However, on the other hand of that, you'd like to say as a Cowboys fan, well, history has shown that it is coming for a guy who led the league in rushing yards two out of the last three seasons and for a guy who probably would have led it the third season had he been fully healthy or not fully healthy but not been suspended for the six games that he was ultimately suspended for so uh, you know history shows that Ezekiel Elliott a little bit warmed up is going to bring something to the table and, you know, we talk about the addition of – we haven't talked about, you and I have not, but, but we talk all the time here in Dallas about the addition of Amari Cooper and how that stabilized this offense. Um, you're exactly right. Dak Prescott's providing everything and more in terms of, you know, the physical statistics and all that, but also the leadership aspect. It's really difficult to evaluate what's between the ears with a lot of these guys. And for whatever reason, Dak Prescott just has that that leadership ability where guys want to follow him and, and give their all to do what they can to make him successful. When is Jerry Jones opening up the wallet and paying Dak? When do you anticipate that happening? To be honest with you, I think if it was up to Jerry, he would have already paid him. Think about what motivation Dak Prescott would have at this point to sign a new franchise deal, right? He's looking around, and over the last calendar year, he has seen the average salary for the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL rise by $5 million a year, $20 million in guaranteed money almost. If all he does is wait, chances are someone may get paid behind him. You hear word that the Chiefs might sign Patrick Mahomes to a record $40 million a year deal. Well, Dak may not be getting $40 million, 
But if they sign Patrick Mahomes before Dak resigns, then Dak's number continues to go up. And his camp knows that. I do believe, like people say, oh, well, the reason he's not paid is because Jerry doesn't want to pay him. No. The reason he's not paid is because Dak Prescott has all the incentive in the world to wait it out. His number is only going up. And this season, anybody who's watched the first four games would have to agree that he looks better than years past. So I, I honestly I honestly do believe that it is Dak's camp that is holding this deal up, not Jerry Jones. The Cowboys essentially said they were going to make Dak Prescott their long-term you know, their long-term quarterback when they started him over Tony Romo in his rookie season when Tony Romo was able to come back fully healthy. So they made that commitment a long long time ago, and Dak Prescott can basically say, I'm making enough money off of these endorsements that I've got. I've got yogurt over here. I've got a Thai company over here. I don't need your money right now. I'm going to get it, whether it's from you or someone else. Smart negotiating, if that is the case, and it, and it makes total sense on, on his behalf. But one guy you, you mentioned earlier was Amari Cooper. And when the Cowboys first traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, uh, I think the national media kind of said, whoa, a first-round pick? How has that opinion overall changed? Especially, well, actually, what was that opinion in Dallas, how did the people in Dallas feel about that move initially, and how do they feel about it now? I think their opinions mirrored a lot of the people around the country. Um, a first-round draft pick for Amari Cooper coming from a Raiders offense that had not produced significant numbers outside of his rookie season, there was skepticism, without a doubt. But with his age... You know, he's so young that I think that skepticism was wiped away maybe after two or three games because you could see the difference, the separation, the route running ability. This guy is so crisp in his routes that he can create separation without necessarily being a significantly more elite athlete than the cornerbacks he's going against. He's just a really crisp route runner. Um, He's a workman when it comes to his craft. I mean, he is always thinking about how he can tweak this or or make himself a little better in that regard. So our opinion, I believe, is a lot like the national opinion at this point, which is at the time we thought it was an overpayment, and now it looks like a massive steal. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball, what are your overall thoughts on this unit? Just last week, giving up only 12 points against the Saints. Yes, no Drew Brees, but still it seems like this unit is starting to gel and starting to get going now. Still haven't seen the best of them yet. Still haven't seen the best of what this defense can offer or what we think they can offer. Coming into the season, we believe this defensive line was one of the deeper units in the group. In fact, most people around DFW thought they were eight deep you know, to the, to the point that they could have ran out uh, essentially two four-man fronts and, and play a game that way. Now, you're not going to do that when you have DeMarcus Lawrence on one side and Robert Quinn on the other, and they've only had two games together to really start to stretch their legs. So, yes, the defense is coming along, but as far as playing their best, most complete game, we, we haven't seen it yet. Leighton Vander Esch has been very good but not to the elite level he was a season ago. Jalen Smith is making people, you know, backtrack just a little bit on uh, on how comfortable they felt about Jerry Jones giving him an extension this offseason. 
And so, and the secondary hasn't produced a ton of turnovers. You know, that's always been one of the issues with a Rod Marinelli defense is that they're a bend but don't break defense. But but where are the impact plays? Where are the turnovers? You know, we've been looking for that. Um, I can't remember what exactly year it was. Maybe 2009 when that Saints defense was able to generate. You know. 20-some-odd turnovers, and uh, half of them would go for touchdowns. The Cowboys hardly ever get points from their defense when it comes to turnovers in that respect. So, so much of it is on the offense. It would be nice if the defense could deliver in that regard here in uh, in the next couple of weeks. Week five of the NFL season, of course, now it seems to, it seems to be that a lot of teams have a lot of guys on the injury report, and, and the Cowboys have a lot of key guys – that, that I've noticed on the report going from Lyle Collins to Demarcus Lawrence, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, anyone on this injury report that the Cowboys cannot afford to play without? Oh, well, Tyron's not going to be able to go. Obviously, we know that. Um, he was ruled out at the beginning of the week. Lael Collins has been dealing with a back issue that has kept him out of practice the last two days. He is expected to... Uh, Still expected to play on Sunday, but i got to be honest with you, with already the loss of Tyron Smith, if Lael Collins cannot go, that is red alert for the Cowboys' offensive line. That would force their current guard, Connor Williams, who by and large has been the worst player on their offensive line so far this season, that would force him to move out to right tackle. Xavier Suofilo, who has been a career backup and a good one, but a career backup for his for his career would shift over to guard. And then they've already got Cam Fleming, their swing tackle, filling in for Tyron at left tackle. That is a far cry from what the Eagles rolled out last week when they had no trouble running the ball against the Green Bay Packers. And that's a far cry from what this Cowboys offense would hope they would have at their disposal when they want to try to take advantage of what they feel is an advantage for their team in the ground game. So, uh, Leo Collins, if he's not able to go, that's a big problem. Michael Gallup's back and uh, has been limited in practice the last two weeks, but he could be another one too where you said maybe it was the, the lack of Michael Gallup, the lack of a secondary receiver to complement Amari Cooper that, that really forced the offense into a stall against New Orleans. So his return is big. Uh, Tyrone Crawford's going to be back in this one. Antoine Woods is going to be back in this one. Both interior defensive linemen that were not available the last two weeks, and I honestly think they will have a big impact on the defense as well. But to me, to back to your original question, if Lael Collins can't go, I think that totally changes the outlook of how the Cowboys have to approach the Packers and that defensive front they're going to be going up against. I think a big storyline heading into this game is Aaron Rodgers' success against the Cowboys, specifically in Dallas. What do the Cowboys need to do to stop that from happening? Oh, man. I mean, whatever you can, right? You've (laughs) got to get in his face and you've got to put pressure on him, and then you've got to hope that he doesn't beat you with his legs and get out on the interior and, and find a way to create first downs in that way. You know, it's it's so often lost on Cowboys fans what he's able to do with his legs, and yet every time we go up against him, he's able to do something significant with his legs because we don't take it into account for whatever reason. So I have a feeling Chris Richard will have a plan in that regard. Um, 
I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm interested to know what the status is and how you guys are feeling about Devontae Adams because whether or not he's there, I think, will will be a big factor in how the Cowboys try to defend Aaron Rodgers. But I would think the game plan to try to slow down Aaron Rodgers is the same that it is for any other team, and that is you've got to get pressure on him and you've got to make him get the ball out of his hands as quickly as you can. Otherwise, he's going to shred you. Finish the sentence, the Cowboys win this game if? The Cowboys win this game if they don't turn the ball over and they can run the ball with some kind of effectiveness. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott has to run for 150 yards, but he's got to do more than he did a week ago, which was run for 38 on 19 carries. That was an embarrassing performance for the offensive line. They were embarrassed by it. And uh, and they've got to do a lot more than that against Green Bay. It, as long as they are able to, to keep their wits about them, though, I, it's difficult for me to see the Packers scoring 30-plus points against them without getting the turnover that turns into points or without getting the special teams touchdown. How are you guys feeling about your chances well, in th- on Sunday? I think the main thing is if Devontae Adams plays or if he doesn't. He's been out all week in practice, and I would assume if he's out today as well on Friday, there is a very little chance that he plays um, come Sunday. And without Devontae Adams, I think – if you look at the Packers' offense, they have struggled to find that number two wide receiver. You have some inconsistencies. You've seen MVS have a, have a big game here or there. You've seen Geronimo Allison here or there, but they lack that consistency. So who is going to step up? And that is the biggest question, especially if Devontae is out. Yep, I would absolutely agree with you. Well, those two injuries, Devontae Adams on your side and Lael Collins on our side, I think they both, you know, have a have a huge impact on which way this game goes and whether or not those guys can suit up on Sunday. What do you got for a score prediction? I do think the Cowboys wind up winning. I think the Cowboys win 30 to 24. Aaron Rodgers gets a late touchdown in the end, but uh, I do think it'll be ultimately a comfortable Cowboys win. It pains me to say, it, but I agree with you, Roy. I appreciate that, Joe. You're a man of, uh, of good honesty and integrity, and, and that's what I look for in any radio host. <laughs> Remember, you could hear Roy along with Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan Out in Dallas Monday through Friday, 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. Remember, give him a follow if you want those life hacks on Twitter at rdub3. Roy, thanks so much for joining me, and enjoy the game. Appreciate you, Joe. Have a good one, brother. Special thanks again to Roy White. Listen to him and the boys, Sean and RJ, on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas every single morning, Monday through Friday from 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. And give him a follow on Twitter at rdub3. You'll get good Cowboys updates, other Dallas area sports updates, and, of course, those life hacks. Uh, who doesn't Who doesn't love life hacks? Who doesn't love an easy life? Roy will provide that for you if you follow him on Twitter. So, Roy said a, a couple of interesting things that, that stood out to me. Despite Dallas only scoring 10 points against the Saints, there's no reason to panic just yet. However, in in his explanation there and talking about the offense in general, the Dallas area, area is satisfied with what they've seen from Dak Prescott and his progression. 
However, that is not the case when it comes to Zeke, who just got paid a ton of money in the offseason. And I think if Zeke struggles against a, a poor Packers run D, I think there's going to be some worry in that Dallas area when it comes to Zeke. Again, Roy said no reason to panic on the overall state of the offense just yet. Injuries have played a role as well. But I think there is a little, there's more expectations when it comes to Zeke after getting paid and he's not living up to it. And I I would feel the same way if I'm from that area and the guy that I invested millions and millions of dollars is not performing the way he should be. Also, on the injury on the injury front, Tyron Smith already ruled out. And as Roy mentioned, if Leal Collins is out, this could leave Dallas's offensive line in really big trouble. And if that's the case, no, no Smith, no Collins, this is where Green Bay needs to take advantage and capitalize. Again, they are coming off a week where they had zero sacks against the Philadelphia Eagles and zero turnovers. Here is a perfect opportunity with a banged-up offensive line. If Collins is out as well, the Packers need to get after Dak Prescott. It's simple as that. Get after Dak, force turnovers, make him feel uncomfortable. And do not let Zeke run wild. A lot easier said than done, of course. It's easier to sit behind the mic, talk into the mic, let you, let me tell you what I think needs to be done. It's a lot harder to go out there Sunday and perform that way, though. All right, before I let you go, my picks of the week, baby. Let's make some money. I'm, I'm excited now. I'm hooked. When I go 3-0, and when I go above 500, I get hooked. On the picks. It, it makes me feel good. Even though, I'm going to be honest, I don't even bet my own picks. I don't bet. But, I enjoy doing this. So when I have a good week, it inspires me. It makes it, it gets me fired up. I want to have another good week. So hopefully we stay above 500. Again, 6-6 six and six on the year after 0-3. Two weeks ago, bounce back 3-0 and last week. Here we go, my first game. I'm going with Tampa Bay at New Orleans. And I like the Saints minus three. Now, I know Tampa Bay exploded last weekend. I don't know how. I don't know where that offensive explosion came from against the Rams. And I understand that New Orleans just squeaked out a victory against Dallas. But I'm still going with the Saints this one. Overall, I think the Saints are a better team, even if Drew Brees isn't on the field. If Drew Brees was playing, I think this is closer to a six and a half, seven point favorite for the Saints. I'm still going with New Orleans. Just an overall better team since 2010. The Saints have lost to the Bucs only three times at home. In their six victories over that stretch, they beat the Bucs by 11 points, by 41 points, by 25 points, by 6 points, by 7 points, and by 20 points. Give me the Saints minus three. My second game. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Another divisional matchup. But give me the Steelers plus three and a half at home. The Steelers, a home dog. Give it to me. 
Baltimore started off well against Miami, who, by the way, is a trash team, and they followed up that performance beating the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, another trash team. Both of those teams winless. Then they get smacked with a little bit of reality, losing to the Chiefs, and then they get pummeled by the Browns, who the Browns haven't ha- haven't been able to really get going. And th- this that game against the Browns may have sparked Cleveland to finally start playing to that potential. Meanwhile, the Steelers pick up a win against Cincy. Very convincing, with Mason Rudolph leading the way. And of course, you expected that because Cincy has been dog trash. But I like the Steelers, plus three and a half at home. Mason Rudolph, another week's worth of work in that offense with talented guys like Juju. Give me the Steelers, plus three and a half. And finally, my last pick, Panthers-Jacks. Give me the Panthers, minus three and a half. Jalen Ramsey likely out again. Out last week, Joe Flacco looking like Mr. Elite Flacco. Having a field day. Give me a break. I believe if Joe Flacco, at this point of his career, if he could have a field day against this team, against the Jags, without Jalen Ramsey, I have a lot of confidence in Kyle Allen. And I really like what I've seen from Kyle Allen in the Panthers' offense. And I think he could do the same, if not better, than what Flacco just did against the Jags. You know, I love Gardner Minshew. Last week I was on the Jags. They helped me win. I love Gardner Minshew. I love what he's bringing to the NFL. And I love Minshew mania. How can you not? But let's not forget, he's a little banged up. He's a little banged up, and he's going up against a Panthers team who is tied for the most sacks in the NFL with 18. Expect pressure. Expect sacks. Expect turnovers. I hope it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if Minshew even gets knocked out of the game. With That's why I'm taking the Panthers. Panthers roll. Take them minus three and a half. So again, I like the Saints minus three. I like the Steelers plus three and a half. And the Panthers minus three and a half. And those are my three picks of the week. So that will wrap up this edition of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Again, thank you to Roy White for joining me talking all things Dallas Cowboys. Remember, you can listen on SoundCloud, listen on Stitcher, Spotify, still no iTunes. I stink. I know. I got to be better. I promised you that it'll be up there. It's still not up there. I need to do better. I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. But we have a lot of other options at the moment, so please listen via those options. Remember, subscribe, comment, rate the podcast, please. Also, give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go!